Hey, it's C Sparky, Fiverr, twelve fifty AM, the fan, along with our guys, Phil Brylo, uh, of course, and Dwight Albury, the spare time pro shop in New Berlin. You can follow uh, Dwight online at Dewey three hundred. Follow Phil at Bruce City Bowling. You can follow me from twelve fifty AM, the fan, uh, at Sparky Radio. Got to talk about the USBC Masters. Uh, so, not three days of bowling on TV this week, like Tournament of Champions. You only get two days of bowling. You get. Uh, one round on Friday to, f- to figure out what two bowlers we're going to advance to Sunday uh, for the Fox Finals. Phil, did we like this formatic setup uh, for TV and how this whole thing played out? Yeah, I like the way it worked out. They explained it to a point about the contenders bracket. I thought they could have gotten a little bit more in depth in it that the guys that were there already had right. one loss in the tournament. But it is what it is, time constraints stuff. You could tell that they didn't have a lot of time between the last round of competition on Friday and the TV show because a lot of the graphics weren't built, a lot of things. You know, it's stuff that guys like me like notice. The, the average fan doesn't notice stuff like that. I didn't I notice anything. Any right. No, so no. the intro packages weren't there. It was just right. the guys were standing around sometimes like, do I bowl? Do I wait for Mike J to introduce right. me? There was a little confusion on that, but it was both shows were quality shows, and uh, it was. I, I like the format. I like the way they do it, and I like the, the fact that Simonson would have had a second chance. You know, the, the, this – to, to me is interesting. So I, I I'm trying to figure out if I liked it or not, or if it was confusing or not the way it was set up. Cause obviously it was set up like an NCAA bracket, right? So you had yeah. like a field of 64. So when you, when they show you on the bracket on TV, you're like 41 versus 49 or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. Uh, some high numbers. You're like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah. And, and then you're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's remember what we're talking about here. But it was weird that you went from one match and then that dude sat down and you went to the next match. Sherman, when he sat down, watched another match and then Sherman had to come back uh, essentially again. That was that was different to me. I don't know yeah. if the bowlers liked it or not, but it was different as a fan kind of following that way. Well, Randy kind of explained it that if you lose your first match during the week, you are going to be bowling a lot of games. It's yeah. like in, you know, like you're in jail for quite a while. <laughs> You know, kind of working your way out. Got to value um, your way out. Yeah, I I, re- I related with it when I I tried the super hoinky one year in 1986. It was a big mega buck tournament. What in was Ohio. the name of it? Uh, the super hoinky. Can we find the person that came up with that name? Well, it was the hoinky family in Cincinnati. So hoinky, hoinky. Yeah. Can you imagine growing up with that name the rest of your life? <laughs> yeah. Holy crap! Well, it was a big bowling alley. <laughs> hoinky, yeah. a yep. Western Bowl in Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yep. Hoinky. Yeah. 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 So it's $500 entry, I think a uh, quarter of a mil for first place. And I bowled a good game and lost. And I was then in the loser's bracket. And right. So it was something similar to what this was. But I also love the building that they're in, uh, Thunderbowl, or they call it T-Bowl. Yeah. Um, I love that studio. Um, and then I, I also was impressed right away that they put new lanes in. Yeah. And you could sit, definitely see better pin carry and better ball reaction because those old lanes were so old yeah it's it's a neat place to bowl i was lucky enough to bowl there once about 25 years ago in the arena bay at thunder bowl and it's just it it, it, it's one of those things that every bowling fan should visit like we have holler house here in milwaukee right near detroit you really gotta check out the arena at thunder bowl it's sad that they don't get more into the history of why thunder bowl was built with the national bowling league back in the early 60s why is it called thunder bowl I that I don't know why it's called Thunderball. Back to the history. See, that's what I'm talking right, about. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't even remember the name of the I don't think the Detroit team was the Thunderbirds back. Maybe it was back in the National yeah. Bowling League. But they had a built where they could fit a couple thousand fans to watch bowling in there. Right. Back in the day. From Ford with the Thunderbird from yeah. Ford. Who knows? So yeah, but the National Detroit. Yeah, there's well, so if few it's records. The left. Thunderdome, then I was thinking it was like 
the 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 pins right thunder oh. like you ever yeah. hear did your parents ever say yes. when yep. you hear thunder it's god it's the angels bowling or whatever yeah, right. it was my dad yeah. bowling up in heaven yeah, yeah. my yeah. mom he always used to tell me that oh yeah. those are the angels bowling up in heaven or whatever <laughs> yes. whenever you'd hear thunder you hear it all the right. time god knows yep. we've had enough severe weather in this country yes <laughs> uh a lot of bowling happening so i mean that could be part of the thunderdome thing maybe yeah. i don't know we're just guessing but again yeah. winky here Damn. i have a quick question i'm so happy my last name's winky how many people does that studio hold now you can hold. easily fit, you could still easily fit five or six people in there if it was just if you put chairs down the lanes on the side on both sides and that kind of thing you could easily fit five or six hundred people still in there that's easy. a lot of people yeah. so yeah and that's and that's what I, it, I the, that. the, the tiered seating all the way up the back and that type of thing yeah. so they really don't use it from i don't think they use it much in the way of leagues during really? thunderbolts yeah they use it a lot for a lot of special events and that type of thing as well right, because they can rent it out for a premium how many lanes are on the other side uh there's 90 lanes in the whole place you've got a setup you've got a setup similar to bowling heaven in portland Maine. a little bit you've got the arena bay then you got the main bay where they have the qualifying and match play take place they could do similar stuff to what he does out there then they could to make the special draft nights and all of that like you could do a lot of the similar features you don't have anything like that around here we don't have any bowling alleys in milwaukee area that have stadium seating and all that stuff no the closest is is the old jb's on 41 where they have like 10 lanes walled off for special events that type of thing and uh, the dark brown lanes and everything it looks really neat but they've never used it for anything other than you know private parties that type of thing right exactly yeah but not stadium seating or no nothing like that at all Uh, okay so that that was the the tv formatics the whole deal were we wanting another guy in the booth for the masters like we had norm duke right that was there uh in between matches or whatever else talking and then we had norm duke uh uh, in the booth as well uh, during the championship match is that something we want for the major tournaments would do we want uh, another guy in there like a marshall holman uh in there during a major i would have rather seen rob stone but i know obviously he's got that is what it is yeah going on Uh, dave ryan did okay but he's not rob stone you know and and so uh dave ryan likes to give everyone initials so it was KP and RP and, and that's his call and 60 yeah. feet to success. That's his call. You know, I get that all, you know, but um, no, no one, in my opinion, can touch Rob Stone. Well, agreed. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, did, did we want another voice in there? Do we like three voices for majors? Is that something you want to go down that avenue of with a major? These are our three guys that are going to be in the booth during like Pete Weber. I think for Friday night, it would have been good just on the basis mm-hmm. of you got these guys trying to get through the, the the contenders bracket and somebody could add a little added a little more on, especially if it was a player that had, had been in the contenders bracket earlier in the week, right. you know, with the extra pressure, everything else that's going on. On Sunday, I think the, the two were fine. I think two people in the booth, you try getting that third when you're trying to get that major field. I, I think that could have been a little too much depending on who it was. I think Barnes but, is really good at it. I'm, I'm glad they're using Chris Barnes for that Holler House thing coming yeah. up this weekend. Barnes, I think, would have been really good mm-hmm. uh, as far as, you know, Smart. being that third guy in the booth yeah. um, and telling everybody what the conditions were like during the week and mm-hmm. so forth and what these guys are dealing with. I think he just, he just adds a lot when he's on there from a description standpoint. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, I've been lucky enough to work with Chris on, on live streaming stuff before, and it's just uh, it, the, the amount of knowledge he has. Yes. Have you ever sold that? Have you ever wrote in a book and sold it? To guys on tour, he'd make a ton of money. I mean, yeah. there's no doubt about it. Uh, it it's just a matter of, and he, he's kind of transitioning, I think, to that part of his career. He he bowled a regional in Carpentersville last weekend that I that I live streamed for the PBA, and had a chance to talk to Chris a little bit. And he, he he's starting to transition out of the being on the kids tour kind of thing, and 
I, I think one of the things he loved to do, yeah, and he used to do fits. more of it, he used to do more of it, especially with the USB-C events, was be that voice in the booth. Mm -hmm. But now USB-C doesn't have really much anything on TV anymore. And they're not using it for live streaming for, with, with Bull TV. So yeah, I, I'd love to see more Chris Barnes on, on the stuff like that, especially if there's an event, let's say something happens and Randy can't be there. Right. I hope Barnes is the guy in the booth. Yeah, no doubt. And you said but, he's coming yeah. in for Holler House? He's coming in for Holler House. Him and Mike J are going to be on the call. I know Rob Stone is extremely heartbroken that he's not here for it. <laughs> How is that not but happening? You must have prior commitments. He's got prior commitments. So, wow. so it'll be Mike Jakubowski and, and Chris Barnes on the call. They've worked together plenty of times before. They have great chemistry. It's going to be a fun live stream this Saturday. Uh, PBA YouTube page, 4 o'clock from that, from Holler House. Yeah, my daughter wow. and I will be there for that. But I got to tell you real quick, I was pretty excited when Randy Peterson started talking about the pattern. Maybe they are listening to our show. I'll stop. <laughs> Get out of here. But he goes and says, he starts talking about the pattern, and Nick Hogan set up the pattern, and he goes, there's a lot of oil out there, 28 mils of oil. And I'm like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> that that And that is... Uh, something we can get into as well as we talk <laughs> about uh, what what is going on here. So let's let's talk about uh, this whole deal with the the Friday night scores, right? So mm -hmm. Kyle Sherman against uh, Tom Smallwood, yeah. and I, I think the one miss, unless I missed it. So if I missed it, tell me if I missed it. They never really referenced the TV show when he was bowling, did they? The TV show that he did. No, 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 no. I don't think they ever really did. See, for me, it would be every time this dude's on TV, we're going to reference that oh, he had his own show. You're talking Tom, Tom Smallwood. Oh, yeah, they yeah. talked about it. Yeah, they did I mean, bring up the show. Not a lot, but yeah. they did talk about yeah. it briefly. I yes. clearly yeah. missed it because I was waiting for it, but I got a baby. And yeah, because it's running his all over. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So you had Smallwood, you had Sherman. In Smallwood, I don't know, just getting tapped a lot. Well, right. I mean, there's a point here though okay he's recently changed the 14 pound equipment and i kept saying during the show to my wife i'm just like he left a lot of nine pins out there could have been that pound later i mean i i get why he's trying to use it but when i tried 14 after my shoulder surgery i noticed a huge difference in my care between 14 and getting back to right. 15. but an advantage one way is a disadvantage another if he gets high in the pocket he might trip up more four greens and agreed that type of thing so it it you know, Wait a you second. know what you got in your hand. Dwight, I'm Phil. I've, I don't think I've ever asked either one of you this. We've talked about it, but we have never got a firm opinion, I don't think, on either one of you. Dwight, we're going to yes. start with you because you're the, the bowling pro shop operator. Yep. Are you anti-14? I'm not anti-14. And, and I'm not saying anti-14 yeah, for like a 12-year-old. I'm yeah. saying anti-14 for a, a PBA bowler. bowler. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll answer it this way. In 1992, I remember um, it was a couple of years. I was just at BNG. I started my new career at BNG, and USBC sent out a two-page pamphlet that they did with the ramp over at USBC, and they tested weight of a bowling ball versus leaving a ten pin. Oh. And the chart showed that the 16 and 15 were pretty close, but then there was a significant drop down uh, to 14, and then it went lower. And once it went to 13, 12, 10, really? and 11, but that was also pre-resin. Oh. And that also doesn't change the ball speed at all because right. the six coming off the sideboard into the 10, that's not generated from revs, revs only. That's generated from the speed of the bowling ball as well. So somebody that's throwing at 20, 22 miles an hour is going to get more kick kick sixes into the 10 than somebody that's throwing at 15 miles an hour. So they didn't take that into consideration with that study back then. With no, a bowler can, if a bowler can amp it up a couple miles an hour faster, yeah, they're going to kick There's out a lot more of corners. Yeah, but I'm a numbers guy, and I always look at the stats and the numbers and. Yeah. You know, that's what I go off of to answer your question. So I'm not anti-14, but I do feel that there's a huge difference in carry 
between 14 and 15. So if you're a ball rep, Phil, and he's going through what he's going through, what are you saying? Prime example of it, Sean Rash. He's been using 14 because of his back all year. He gets done with round one, feels really good, and his ball rep goes, let's go to 15. And he used 15 the rest of the week. Uh, Bill O'Neill, I saw a tweet from Bill O'Neill during the Masters week where he said, said, RIP 14 pounds. It's been a good run, but, you know, he's going back to 15. So bowlers sometimes, it's just they're looking for that different feel. It it maybe just makes them feel a little sharper on what they're doing. Like, hey, I got this, and all of a sudden something clicks, and like, hey, let's go with this for a while. I know I had that first when I dropped from 16 to 15 all of a sudden for like three weeks. Nobody could stop me. All of a sudden, three weeks later, all of a sudden, like, yeah, I guess it's just everything feels like it used to. So right. <laughs> how the body yeah. adjusts for it. Right. Exactly. You know, it's just right. one of those, it's just one of those weird things where, you know, guys are looking for grip changes and all the other stuff. It's all the combination of everything where they're just trying to find that that magic combination that, that puts them on fire for that week. You know, that that it's gonna be interesting because we didn't have this 14-pound conversation three years ago four years ago nobody talking about 14 pounds so where did this whole conversation start at like who who was the trendsetter that said okay i'm gonna go to 14 and these other guys are all like oh no doubt all right i'll give that a shot too because it had to start somewhere like there had to be somebody do we know the answer to this because it just popped up my head yeah a ball rep either had to come up with this a manufacturer a pba bowler yeah Yeah. somebody came up with this idea it worked and then because it's copycat right i mean any sport is a copycat league. If there's if somebody's having success, we try to copy whatever that team is doing so we can have of course. success. I, I just don't know if you are seeing any PBA players that are having huge success throwing 14. I, I would think that it would be, if anything, status quo or they're getting by. But I haven't seen anyone break out throwing 14, winning a title with right. it until that happens. Then I'm still staying with my statistical numbers. Yeah, I mean, the most recent you know, drop the 14 that I saw was Bill O'Neill. And I know that that beef, that, that uh, beef and Barnsley, their podcast. I mean, you got, when you got Chris Barnes out there, he's got all the info you need. I didn't get a chance to see that one, but it, the, the title of the podcast was is 14, the new 15. So there's, there's guys out there that have been using it that switched to it. We'll see if they, if they go back or not. Yeah, right. We should get Chris Barnes on. on. I think Barnes would be good to have on to talk about this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Very Make, smart, man. You and him can nerd out together. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, let, let's talk about uh, this. So Kyle Sherman, David Small, Tom Small, with 279 to 209. Mm-hmm. Listen, I, Kyle Sherman was just locked in. Mm-hmm. I mean, let, let's just not. I mean, I thought that much Small would could do. Yes, he was kind of getting tapped left and right, but it is what it is. Then it's Sean Rash versus Parker Bowman third. Thoughts on Parker Bowman third, Dwight? Yeah, my only thought was... <laughs> What the heck was his uh, tour rep thinking using that ball uh, or having him play that line? I mean, he had no miss area. I mean, he had to be absolutely dead letter perfect. Then I started to think after watching Michael Martell that Parker just simply just did not have enough revs to compete with that volume of oil that's out there. But, boy, I would have given Parker quite a few different balls to choose from. And for me to sit home and watch, that's the best you could do for him. You know, I mean, I mean, that match was lost before he even started. If that was his ball reaction in practice, um, I mean, no doubt about it. Obviously, Randy made a you know real good point that you don't want to get it to the dry outsides too early. That's the, the outsides are right. so bone dry. Right. But he had nothing for a look. I don't whatsoever. know. Yeah, I don't know if it was just, hey, this could be my last chance kind of thing. I mean, Parker had not bowled well on the few tour stops he hit all year long. Like he's not on the World Series of Bowling roster. Parker's going to be at here at all. Wow. Parker's going to be here, but he's going to be b- the ball repping for the lefties under the Brunswick brands. Oh, so they're bringing him in for that because he hadn't been sharp and he took advantage of the format. He got through 15 games of qualifying, and after that, 
it's just three game matches. If you catch the right guy, right time, you have the right ball in your hand and, and you make your spares and you can keep going through the bracket. And, and Parker proved it where, you know, he just kept plugging along through the contenders bracket after an early loss. And, and next thing you know, he's, he's making the TV show while the family's watching. He didn't look as fluid as we've seen past Parker, whether that's 59 years old, whether it was probably, if we asked him, I bet you'd be a bit of the nerves. You know, am I going to, when am I ever going to be able to do this again on TV? I, that could I have something to do are, with it too. I think nerves are created when you don't have good ball reaction. If you have a good ball reaction, I think the nerves go away real fast. Yeah. And then getting down in the match really doesn't help matters any no. either. I mean, the second frame, <laughs> right? Second frame for Parker, he leaves that washout. You know, I'm just yeah. like, oh, God, he's in trouble. I yeah. mean, yeah. again, you can dictate um, who's going to win or lose by the first few frames just by ball reaction. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Uh, it's Dwight Albert. You can follow him on Twitter at Dewey 300. Follow Phil at Bruce City Bowling. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Download. Uh, the Spare Time Bowling Podcast, wherever you download your favorite podcast. Also, we are now putting uh, these episodes up on YouTube as well. A couple days after they load for the audio version of them, you can find them on YouTube on the Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y sports page. You can download the Spare Time Bowling Show there. Let's talk about my good buddy, Sean Rash. <clears throat> okay, so a couple of things. One, Rash isn't the Sean Rash that obviously Sean Rash was back when we were doing the show the last time, right? He's had a couple of bad years. He's had physical ailments and so yes. forth uh, that he's been going through. So not same type, same, same type of guy. Okay. First, uh, let me say this. It's good for the sport if he's on TV. Yeah. Even now, even though he's not on TV as much, he, he's still one of the more entertaining guys you're going to see on TV. Um, the one thing I was happy with, and I was literally in my living room going, all right, Sean, what? good. You've grown up a little bit. This is good. Where he literally had the ball in his hand and then put it down and said, oh, I got to calm down a little bit. Right. Uh, and then, and then yeah. he came back and picked up the ball and then why not? So I was like, okay, that's good. Old Sean probably wouldn't have done that. Old Sean would have just said to hell with it. I'm just going to throw this out, <laughs> whatever. And he wouldn't have taken that break. So that was good, Sean. I was like, okay, this is good. Same old Sean. Every little damn thing irritates this dude. Like it's yeah. never going to change. Right. And the flashing light. Yes. Okay, fine. I get down with you. And then he was complaining about the scoreboard or some nonsense. I don't know. On the Nobody else that. was saying anything. They were all right. bowling under the same conditions. And this dude just would not let it go. Just, <laughs> it just can't that type of stuff. It just goes back to yes. what I've always talked about with him. Like, his the the mental side for him is his biggest opponent. I, Physically, he's a beast. Like that yeah. dude can bolt anybody. God the bless problem, Chuck Garner. the pro, yes, God bless Chuck Garner. You're right. <laughs> but the, the 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 biggest issue with Sean is is his head, and yeah. it's not gonna. I don't think it's gonna change. Like he is who he is as a human being, right? And mentally, I think he just gets swound so tight. And let's everything yeah. get to him and get in his brain. He can't get out of his own way half the time in his head. And that really just screws him up. Yeah. And, and again, he's not the only one that bowls that has issues with the mental side of the game. Golfers have issues with the mental side of the game. Yeah. Cornerbacks, pitchers. I, there's yeah. all kinds of athletes that have that issue where they're yeah. really, really good. But mentally, that's the struggle a little bit. If something goes wrong or something goes bad, and then they have a hard time getting over the hump to get past that. Well, he's not Mount Rasuvius like he used to be, where the little thing you just get the gigantic hey yo crater explosion. Hey, and... okay, fine, you could say that. Yeah. But when he won that match, that dude was jacked. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. talk about Sunday. Here I come. Well, watch out, boys. And all of that tension and 
all that work that he's been putting in because yep. he hasn't been healthy. This is really the first major he's really had a chance at. Just all came out like kind of like I'm effing back. You better believe it. Yes. Here I come. Right. And I was happy for Sean. Like, I was like, all right, cool, man. Like, let it yeah, go. Yeah, like, right. I, I can tell that's what it is. And I was texting with a buddy, and my buddy's like, and say what you want about Sean, man, but he's bowling. I said, yeah. it's not Sunday. He let's see what happens on Sunday. <laughs> he could have done with the without the old GD comment at the beginning. That is what it is. It yeah. is what it is, you know, and so I, instantly when that happens, I go to social media to see what people say. And uh, I read a lot of diaper rash uh, comments again and, and uh, maturity. And but again, he's good for TV right. because yeah. he's getting those reactions. What reactions did Kyle Sherman get when he was bowling other than snoring? <laughs> that, that's I mean, it. That's all right. it was. He's yeah. most, one of the most boring dudes ever to watch well, on TV. Right. Not YouTube. It, I'm saying on TV. Right. That's why Rash said on Sunday, the haters on social media. Yes, but that's good for the sport. Right. I get it. Like, we shouldn't be getting all worked up about, oh, people don't like Sean. Well, fine. But they don't have really the the bad guy in bowling necessarily. Not that he's a bad guy. He's not a bad dude. But people like rooting against him because of all his crazy antics. I think he's just, like you always say, he's just trying too hard to be the bad guy. It's not comes naturally. I don't think he's trying to be the bad guy. That's just who he is yeah. like he's very emotional he wears yeah. his emotions on his sleeves and yeah. that whole deal the daughter and i were in the crowd for the doubles event last year at bolero yeah. and tom standing right next to me talking and i kept watching sean and yeah. it was like he was trying to run and produce the show he was in clark's ear every two seconds about been something going on for years well yeah no years. different than the no different than the big screen in the arena this time around. Hey, right. stop flipping that thing yeah. around. And, uh, you know, yeah, he's been doing that for yeah. years. Yeah. That's nothing new. That, that yeah. he's been a, a there, good decade. That's been there, happening. there's a reason why Sean shows up with a wad of hundred dollar bills in his pocket <laughs> when he makes a TV show. Cause either it's going to be a buck call. And it's going to cost him a hundred bucks yeah, for buck. going over the yeah. shot clock. Four or bucks. He's yeah. going to say something. He's going to, there was a minor F bomb drop during the show as well. So I'm sure that had appeal oh, a few of those hundreds off of there. You know, there's a reason why, but Sean knows it, but that, and he comes prepared. Yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, it's kind of funny. It is what it is, but yeah. either way, nice to see him back on TV. It's right. good for the sport. The more he may, he's on TV, the better it is for the sport. So uh, he beats Parker Bell, not close Two sixty four, one sixty nine. Then Sherman versus Chris Vaughn. And I just say, I felt so bad for Kyle Sherman, the way that whole end of that game ended, because I was thinking to myself, Oh my God, Mm-hmm. You shot 270 on that first game. This game hasn't gone well, but you had this game in hand. Like, yes. this game was pretty much done, and it got blown away. So now this dude gets back, and then the roll-off format, mm-hmm. which never really been a fan of. Yeah. Oh, high score wins on roll-off. I'm like, he's going to lose on mm-hmm. a damn single-ball roll-off, and then they both throw strikes, and then they get to the next shot. But and then he wins and advances and gets to TV. But I felt bad for Kyle Sherman the way that whole thing played out, though. Well, it just goes to show how quick these lanes transition. You know, mm-hmm. there's supposed to, you know, a lot of oil on that. You could just tell that the fronts were going away a little bit on on on, on the righties, and yeah, all of a sudden the fronts change a little bit. All of a sudden your ball's not tipping as hard, and the lanes were completely so, different. Yeah, and all of a sudden you so you switch so you switch balls to a ball that tips harder, and it really takes off in the back end. Yep. And it's just one of those things where if you're not on your toes, you can have a 50 pin lead and it goes away. And Chris Vi found that out the hard way. As the match went on, all of a sudden Sherman finds something. Vi can't get his carry going, and we got a tie, ladies and gentlemen. You yeah, know? I I felt sorry for Chris Vi's mom. She was dying on every shot Chris oh, Vi yeah. was, well, was throwing. That but could be the first feel, ball qualifying, and Chris Andrew right. Vi would be doing that. I mean, let's be honest. Right, but um, I feel sorry for Chris Vi leaving that cold nine pin. He you did. Know, you know, we wouldn't even have yeah. this conversation. That was a good ball, huh? right? And he strikes on that shot. One question I do have for Phil because he's on the inside scoop: Why did they use the two lanes that they did? 
to eliminate the ball return? Uh, the because of the screen above the lanes. Oh, okay, it, to center it. And then also, if you looked at the camera angles where the cameras get set up, uh, the best angles in there are for using those two particular lanes. So it was all for it was all because of the TV was, stuff. Yeah, I put in my notes. I was going to ask you guys what you thought about that back forth thing because. Uh, the match versus Simonson and Michael Martell, you could si see Simonson was in Martell's way. He wanted to get to his ball quick and pick it up. Oh, well, it is I, what I, it is. I know. I'm just <laughs> observations yeah. I've made. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but, if somebody complains to me and I'm Tom Clark, I'm like, get away. Go away. Go have a sandwich. Like, I don't complain <laughs> to me about this. I, I'm not dealing with this. Like That type of minor stuff, if, if right. that's bothering you, you've got bigger issues. Right. Years ago at the Masters in 2015 in Green Bay, Pete Weber, get it, have him stop touching my towel or right. my chamois. And yep. you're done, Pete. Yeah. Sorry. You know, it's yeah. it. I mean, when you have that little type of stuff yeah. in your head, yeah. you're toast. I mean, yeah. we're talking about Rash. Like I said, right. he's not the only one. Yeah. That yes. mental side is such a huge thing, man. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it, this is the other thing I would say, and people don't really do it, but I'm telling you, I guarantee you, there are dudes on this tour that if there was somebody that talked constantly, mm -hmm. constantly, would screw up half these guys. Mm -hmm. Guaranteed. If there was somebody just walking back, just chirping at the other guy, that's the devil. No chance you're doing that. Yeah. And just chirp, 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 chirp. There'd probably be guys wanting to fight the dude, oh, yeah. but there's no way they'd be beating the dude because most of these guys mentally couldn't handle it. That's the impression Guaranteed. I got from, uh, what, what, I don't know if his first name is Knowles, the lefty. Justin Knowles. Justin back Knowles, in the, yeah. yeah, during the U.S. Open. I mean, there's a chirper right there. But that's, uh, to me, the, the, the more you watch these guys, the more you get to know these guys, they're they're all not like Rash necessarily, yeah. but the littlest things get in their head and bother yeah. them, and then it's shake, rattle, and roll. You know, the guys that, who was it? We were talking about Norm Duke. Wasn't it Norm Duke that was bowling for money back in the day, oh, growing yeah. up, or whatever the case may be? Right. Now, you're not going to rattle him. He's been through that type of stuff. Yeah. A lot of these guys have never been in those situations mm -hmm. to bowl for money. I used to bowl for money when I was growing up. Yeah, I mean, and the trash talking was constant, and mm -hmm. either you knew how to deal with it or you didn't. And if yeah, you right. didn't, you were done. And that's kind of just what it was. And a lot of these guys, again, you know, they bowl in high school. There's not a lot of chirping in high school. Uh, college, I don't see a lot of chirping on TV when you watch college bowling necessarily. No. And then you go to the pros, and you're yep. never in that situation where there's a lot of that trash talking going on. But with Simonson, I mean, he grew up. There's still a lot of action bowling on going on in in Texas, Oklahoma. That's sure. thing. If you want to find it, you can find it. And Simonson, as a young kid, started growing up with and that. That's and good. That, that's part of his mental toughness. Correct. Yes, no doubt about it. All right. So then we get uh, so Sherman advances to Sunday. Then it's Sean Rash against Patrick Dombrowski. I never heard of Patrick Dombrowski, oh, y'all. Yeah, I don't know who he is. I ain't never heard of him. Well, he's, he's Polish because it ends in yeah. ski, and I know <laughs> I know he's Polish, right? I'm Polish, so I can get along with that. He's old, got a lot of gray hair like me, so yeah. okay. I was like, I wonder how good this dude's going to be, right? Because you got really Sean good. Rash, and will he be intimidated? Hell yeah. no, he wasn't intimidated. No. That dude, to me, he outbowled Sean he in that match. He yeah. threw better first balls that whole damn match than Sean did, without question. And he just, you know, got, got tapped out. He made many shows that, and that's why I remember him. God, he's good. He was so good in that yeah. show. He's probably what, what a physical game. He's probably one of the best five weekend warrior guys out there. There we go. The guys that are uh, yeah. the, the regionals. The, yeah, the regionals yeah. event. Yeah. Easily best five. Won the RPI in Vegas back in January. Yep. Got through that uh, once again a match play oh. format. Right. Randy he's made tough in match play. Randy made the comment, "What if this guy was full time on the tour? Yeah, yeah he's, he's not." Yeah, right, he's only bowling yeah. three or four, right? Something like that. Bowls out, bowls when he can, how he can, yeah. And whenever he shows up, he, he's a threat he's to there. make a show. I, I, 
I'd put money on if he showed up at an international I, event. I was really impressed. Yeah, he was out there. I was like, oh, damn, this is for real. He's like a BJ Moore. It's oh. the same thing. BJ's got a business back home with his wife and, and, and everything, and he gets out there when he can. And when he shows up, you better pay attention to him because he's probably going to put a stomping on you if you don't pay attention. Really? That's yeah. Oh, yeah. Stuff, that's man. another one, too, with BJ Moore. So Patrick Dombrowski, that was impressive. Yeah. Uh, Rash beats him 256, 237. But again, I, I think Dombrowski uh, definitely had, had, yeah. had better shots. He just luck, whatever you want to call it. Right. All right. So now you get to the championship round uh, coming up on Sunday. And we just literally were talking about Michael Martell, weren't we, uh, mm-hmm. on a podcast uh, recently. And Martell mm-hmm. ends up uh, making uh, this show, the SBC Masters, uh, as the two seed. So you knew you were going to get to see Martell uh, on TV. Uh, and again, $100,000 to first place, 50 Gs to second place, mm-hmm. 25 to third, 15,000 uh, to fourth place. hundred grand, man. Mm-hmm. That's what some people make in a year, right? Yeah, that's yeah. more than a lot of people right. make in a year. So that's a lot of money to win one tournament uh, going forward from there. So now you get the Kyle Sherman gets to get, get go get on TV. Here comes good old Sean Rash gets to get come get on TV. And now the lights are on Sunday. And I'm sitting here going, okay. And Phil and I were texting. I'm sorry, Dwight, by the way. I, uh, oh, yeah. I, I'm so I sorry. That. So Dwight is, poor Dwight is working uh, at the, at at the, the shop, shop all right. day Sunday getting caught up. It, yeah. it is working. We have a group text between us 29 three. 29 text messages. And, <laughs> right. Yeah. And Phil and I should have been doing our own text messaging and kept Dwight out because Dwight wasn't I, watching. I didn't he read was recording it. I didn't read any of them. Oops. Well, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I felt that after I'm like, I figured you guys were watching the show. I'm not going to, I don't want you guys to spoil it for me. <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, oh, we should not be doing this. We're screwing it all up for Dwight at the no, end I, of the day. fine with it. At the end of the day. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, so the first match, match one, Kyle Sherman uh, defeats Sean Rash 258 to 199. Uh, and as I I told you, um, or Kyle Sherman defeats Sean Rash 258 mm-hmm. to 199. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, what would you attribute the Sean Rash loss to uh, in that one? I mean, Sherman was clearly oh, bowling better than yeah. him. He, and he was mixing stuff up still Rash was, but he yeah. just wasn't having as much fun, as much he carry. did not have as good a ball reaction again yeah. as he did Friday night. Yeah. Simple yeah. as that. He tried two different balls, a, one, a DNA on one lane, uh, forget uh, a reality check on the other, but didn't have the look that he – and it's amazing how you can lose the lane that quick from Friday night to Sunday. Well, and they're oiling them exactly the same. Yeah, but that doesn't mean squat temperature difference, how yep. long lanes been. I mean, there's so many factors that go into that. Tons. And and yeah. you looked at Sean's strike tracks every time they showed it, wasn't consistent on that right. either. Smash smashes a seven. Yeah. He pulls the three boards left and somehow still smashes a seven. Yeah. He, the, Sean Sean didn't throw as good as shots no. as Kyle did, and it, and it proved it once the final score hit. Yeah, Sean really was the king was. of mix, is what yeah. he was, and yeah. that's how he got through Friday night. Yes, he did. Right. Um, and it just wasn't enough to carry him through. And, and Sherman was there. Now, yeah. and, and this is the last time we talked. We talked about how you can go from one match to the next and completely just lose it. Yes, yeah. uh, and that's pretty much what happened to Kyle Sherman. Kyle yeah. Sherman a, a match to that kind of TOC. He kind of just got lost. Uh, and Michael Martell wins that one, two hundred eight uh, to one eighty seven. Martell. You could tell looking at him when it started, he was nervous. Mm-hmm. You you could look at him and go, Oh, this He's dude, young. this dude, right. this dude's a little worked up right now. Like, how is this gonna go early? Mm-hmm. Um, and he really didn't throw bad shots per se. Like nope. he, can, but, he was able to keep his composure. And by the time we got two or three frames in, you could see him kind of settle down a little yeah. bit and, and get into just bowling, Dwight. Yeah. He had the rev rate that Parker Bone didn't have. I think Bones' rev rate on TV was 360, 350, something right around there. And Martel well, it's nice was... coming from the left side, too. Well, they're both lefties. You know, right, uh, but in that but, show, right. he, he was the only I, guy coming from the left side. 
You're correct. Right. Um, but um, Martel had 430 to 440 for RPM rate and I and a little slower ball speed. And I thought to myself, oh, see, there's the difference in why his ball's finishing and, and Parker's was not. Well, Parker's also up the back of the ball a little bit more, whether it was just because moving out of the 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 main bay into the arena bay, Parker changed his role a little bit too compared to what we saw in a lot of pairs on bowl TV during qualifying and match play. Uh, Parker was a little bit more of the back of the ball where Martel was a little more around the side of the ball. And I think that I think the ball roll, the, the difference in ball roll helped Martel out as well. I kept watching Martel's game, even yeah. though a quick story, he he practices a lot at New Berlin when he's in town yeah. as he he's dating uh, one of the local girls. Uh, and they showed a quick uh, photo of her um, video of her, uh, Maddie Brandos. Yeah. And so uh, she a bowler, too. Oh, yeah. She yeah. was in they the studio. In OK, yeah. they, we had her in the oh, studio. We had her in studio. Yeah. Top Gun. Oh, yeah. Nice. Back in the day. Nice. Right. And uh, anyways, yeah, so they're dating. And so um, she was sitting next to Michael Martell's mom. But I, I've seen him practicing over at uh, New Berlin. I went down and said hello and shook his hand um, last year, I believe it was. But I compared him when I was watching him on TV and then Randy talking about his game. He has a very similar uh, positions of his physical game to Jacob Butroff, how they roll their wrist. Um, my wife was watching and said he's double uh, jointed. Um, just because of how he rolled his wrist, but when that. you watch how the ball comes from, <clears throat> excuse me, top of the backswing down, yeah. how his wrist rolls very similar to Jacob Buttroff. Yeah, I don't think it's the full hyperflexibility. I was gonna say Buttroff makes flexible. me nauseous. Right. <laughs> yeah, makes me nauseous. Like I can't. I just, I just physically hurt watching him throw a bowling ball. I didn't get that watching uh, Martell necessarily, but but again, uh, very impressive uh, by Martell. Yeah. Again, stay yeah. within himself. Uh, bowled well uh, in that one two zero eight one eighty seven. Now we get to the championship match, and I, I'm not going to sit here and hide it. I simply said there's no chance he's beating Simonson twice. Ain't no chance. Yeah. Like well, yeah, I think I'm happy he's in the championship match. There's no chance he's beating this two twice. Yeah. Right. Um, and he didn't even beat him once, obviously, because Simonson got locked in, uh, and it was over. And he wins two forty three to two twenty two. Was it like Martel bowled that? Like Martel no. didn't go on into the championship match and shoot a buck seventy five no. and just choke. That's not what happened. No. Yeah. Simonson was just TV. better. One open. Yeah, that was what it. opens the yeah. difference. It opened the middle yep. of the game for Martel, and yep. he just great. And he, you'd tell when he when he when he let that one go, he just had a little different rotation on the wrist, and just they call it grabbing it a little bit. It was that little different rotation, yeah. and it just snapped on the back end. And it just goes to show you how those just small mistakes on these on these tough tour patterns and USBC Masters and US Open pan, the smallest mistakes that we you and I would feel like should strike in our league shots, leave splits for these guys. And I yeah. think sometimes that's just. The part that the casual fan just doesn't get on TV. They're they're working to make it better with strike tracks. It's really easy yes. to, to tell with strike tracks. Uh, but yeah, it was just. Uh, when we do our one. next podcast because we're pretty much out of time. But when we do yeah. the next podcast, we talk about the greats of bowling, right, and where Belmonte is and so forth. Uh, we got to talk about where Andy Simonson is going to be because this dude's on a roll. And what is he? 26? 26. 26. And he's got five majors already. Yep. Back to back USBC yep. Masters, like. Hey man, I mean, I think it was did Randy Peterson say he might have ten by the time he gets to thirty or something yeah. like that? I mean, that is that's really good, yeah. and we don't really ever talk about him at that level. Well, week two we had the conversation in in the studio here of who's the face of the PBA, right? And it's not him. Oh, I, I my comment was it was going to be Anthony. Simonson. Yeah, you did you did say that right? It's right. Belmo to Belmo's done, yeah. and then when Belmo's done, then we can revisit and maybe it will be yeah. Simonson at that point. Yeah, uh, but it's Belmont until Belmonte's done. That, that's yeah. just that's I, I really is. think he could get Belmo a run for all his titles and 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 out. Well, if he's going to win. be the face of the PBA, then they better figure out how to market him. 
Well, he's got to figure out how to market him. Because Belmonte did all of his own marketing and put himself in that position. So Simonson either has to figure out and get a marketing team with him or somebody that knows marketing with him to help promote him or him and the PBA have got to figure out how to promote him. um, Something in order to put him out in front. I really was dying to ask you guys this uh, since Sunday is what what's the story behind the sunglasses and the dudes that gave him sunglasses? Sure. I thought it was hilarious. No idea. It was he cool. had to know those guys. It was something different. Yeah, yeah, yeah I had the sunglasses for him. Yeah, obviously friends. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Right. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. But, but again, that's something that can be that thing that he plays into. If he's always right. going yeah. and grabbing sunglasses after championship wins or something, it has that could be, be a something story fun. behind that somewhere. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. I thought Phil might have. All right. Know. He has Phil Brylow. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Brew City Bowling. Right, Aubrey, Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin at Dewey 300. And, of course, you follow me at Sparky Radio. We're all here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in the studios of 1250 AM, The Fan. And the PBA hanging out at the Holler House here in Milwaukee coming up this week. Saturday, 5 Eastern, 4 Central, the big match to kick off USA versus the world. Tommy Jones for the U.S., Jason Belmonte in a one-game match to see. And it's important because it's who gets lane choice, in order for every single match during the USA versus the world TV shows on the 15th and 16th. And explain to everybody that's listening around the country. What exactly is the holler house and what are they walking into besides the bras? Uh, uh, the building's 150 years old. The lanes are 110 plus years old. In the basement, right? Two stairs. Yeah. Yep. You got to walk down a bunch of stairs in the basement. You get, there's a door two next lanes. to the bar. You have to walk down uh, two lanes over the top. All returns. They oil it with a bug sprayer. Uh, I'm going to have to dodge. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be helping out with stuff. I'm going to have to boys. dodge all kinds of stuff going on down there because there's no room. The, the walls are right along the lanes. Right. Uh, as Dwight said, pin boys. It's just if you want to warm up, are they allowed these two guys to have on these lanes? I'm sure they'll probably get the usual 20 minutes or so. But with the modern bowling balls and oil with a bug sprayer, I yeah. would, there's going to be nothing left. I yeah. would love to hear the reaction for these. Yeah, I, <laughs> think of the pin boys when Tommy Jones throws a 10 pin and he yeah. flattens it out and throws it hard. I would be moving. <laughs> back oh, yeah. oh, there's no doubt. <laughs> so I am not going to get beamed in the head by a bowling pin. And they're going to have what? Large screen outside and the whole yep. deal out there. It, the it, it, house. You can watch outside. The tickets for watching from the bar area on closed circuit TV, That's those tickets out. sold out in like an hour. Right. Yeah. Yep. And then there's a big tent outside where people are going to be watching closed circuit TV. They're going to be able to buy drinks. They're going to, I think they're going to have a food truck there. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a, well, as it always is at Holler House, it's going to be a big party while you're there. Yeah. yeah. That's great. I have stories I will never tell. About and it's supposed to be beautiful on Saturday. It's supposed yeah. to be in the 50s. So yeah. I will definitely Son. be buying and wearing my Holler House t shirt to one of these shows. <laughs> That's awesome. He is Dwight Albrecht, Phil Brown, C Sparky Fire. Until next week, it has been uh, the Spare Time Bowling Show. Don't forget, you can download this podcast wherever you download your favorite podcast. Also on YouTube now on the Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y, uh, sports YouTube page. Have a good one.